You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. It's Thursday, September 2nd, and we're just a few days away from our first game week of the 2021 season. But before we start getting into that game week flow, we need to dedicate an episode to analyzing the Bears, in quotes, final roster, including some new players that the Bears claimed and signed. Plus, we need to take a look at the big picture, just that view of the season ahead. That's right. We'll be finally making our official record predictions and a little bit more towards the end of the show. I'm your Will DeWitt. I'm glad that you tuned in for what should be a very fun episode. Today, I'm joined by both of my co-hosts, Nicholas Moriano and Mason West. And we've been dealing with some fun technical challenges for the last half hour before we start recording and streaming this episode. Nick, you don't sound like an alien, but also I know you're sick. And we're going through your like headset type of microphone today. So how you sounding? Uh, you guys tell me because I have no idea. But it's probably one not good because I'm sick, and because like you mentioned, I'm coming through. I think these headphones. Maybe it's my laptop. I don't even know. Either do I, but I hear you, and you're not on like an eight second lag between your face and your words. So those are two wins in my book, uh, at least for today, Mason. Before these challenges, did you have a good day? <laughs> yeah, overall today was pretty chill. I spent probably a good hour and a half getting my fantasy draft uh, strategy ready. I'll be rep- you know representing Chicago Audible in a Bears Twitter podcast league, so you know I got to represent well. I think I got my players in mind that I'm going to go for. Right on. So, are you going to bestow any strategy up- upon us here on the top of the show, or is that like something that is lacking key? Uh, you got to keep that locked down, especially because, you know, some of the people in the chat listen to the podcast are going to be, you know, drafting against me when we, you know, finally do our fantasy league. So I can't give away too much. Yeah, our drafts are Sunday night. There's like five of them. Well, actually, sorry, there's four of them. Debating a fifth wouldn't be that night, but that's going to be a, a long night uh, of drafting fantasy teams for us. But guys, I'm excited to get into today's show. And before the technology decides we can't do this any longer, let's go ahead and get things started. And I want to begin today's episode by discussing some news that we've learned about over the last day or so. And let's begin with the wide receiver position, because apparently Ryan Pace thought there was plenty of work yet to be done here as he brought in two new guys since those final cuts. Uh, the Bears signed wide receiver Brashad Perriman, who was released from the Lions, and they also claimed wide receiver Nasimba Webster from the 49ers. Nick, I want to go over to you first. We can look at Perriman, we can look at Webster, we can look at them together. Why do you think Ryan Pace made these moves? Well, I mean, obviously, just looking at the wide receiver room that they had, and when you're waving a guy like Daz Newsom, you need to bring in other guys to maybe fulfill and just have depth on that wide receiver role, right? That that room that they have. But um, the guy that they picked up from the 49ers almost sounds like Simba, right? Uh, a guy that I can really see can come in maybe that kick returner role. And obviously, Khalil Herbert's been there. 
kind of getting those reps throughout training camp and the preseason games, but that's somewhere where you're looking at maybe some special teams value for that. And obviously Perryman, a guy that's bounced around now for a couple of years since 2016, but you're bringing in a guy that has speed. And that's really the theme that Ryan Pace, this, this Bears team has really added to that whole entire group a, as a whole. He really has a uh, speed galore. I was looking at the Bears wide receivers based off of 40 time earlier today. Uh, you have Perriman who ran a 4-3-5, Darnell Mooney at a 4-3-8, Demir Bird was a 4-2-5 guy, Marquise Goodwin a 4-2-7, which all these guys make Allen Robinson feel like a tortoise uh, out there with his 4.640 speed. Uh, so I think this is a really... Uh, interesting dynamic uh, that the Bears kept throwing at the position of speed, speed, speed. We saw it all offseason, and that theme continued here throughout, well, after final cuts. So it hasn't really stopped just yet. And when you look at Webster, Nick, you talked about the special teams. Uh, he was the 10th most productive punt returner last year of qualifying guys with 7.4 yards per punt return. Uh, the Bears, after Tariq Cohn went out, as we all talked about last season in depth, they could not find a guy to kind of take over that role in place of Cohen. And they were the 11th worst unit on the year in punt return yardage. Uh, and I know looking into Webster more, the 49ers riders were applauding him uh, for a game that they had against the Chiefs a couple of weeks ago. He had a 43-yard kickoff return. Very next play, he stayed on the field for offense to kick off that drive. Had an end around that went for another 25 yards. And they thought he was a roster lock, but here he is on the uh, Chicago Bears. Mason, uh, what do you like? Anything you don't like uh, about these signings? At a bare minimum, the fact that his name is Nasimba, that's an MVP right there. But besides that, it does fill a position of need, right? Like you said, Tariq Cohen went out. Even if when Tariq does finally come back, I, I doubt they're going to throw him back there on punt returns. Uh, just too much of an investment there to risk that. So you had to have somebody there to fill that void. And he was a pretty productive guy, like you said. And if you actually kind of look at what some of the uh, fans and, and how they reacted to him being cut, people were pretty upset about it. It wasn't exactly like, oh, yeah, well, we got someone else to fill that void pretty easily. I believe, too, it's going to be really interesting to see when it comes to Perriman coming in. Uh, when he's officially signed, they're still going to have to cut somebody because I think technically they're at like 54 because he's not officially signed yet. So that'll be really interesting to see what they do there. And obviously, we're going to dive a little deeper into all those other moves. But bringing in two solid players, filling that role. You can tell the Bears, they're, I, they think they're in this win-now mode, at least, right? Because you let go maybe some younger individuals or people that maybe had some untapped potential trying to get them through waivers for some people that might have given us something a little more proven. Do you like, uh, Mason, like in terms of pyramid and his size, right? Six foot two, so he's a big guy, but also that four three five speed, do you think he's someone that can carve a role in this offense, even though he's a late addition, even if it takes some time? He does have 66 catches and nine touchdowns in his last two seasons. I feel like, at least personally, I would have more higher expectations for uh, Perriman than most guys that maybe were walking in at this stage of the season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would say so. When you look at Perriman, he has that nice mix of size and speed, whereas, unfortunately, some of the other receivers kind of have one or the other. Uh, Demir Bird, not the biggest guy in the world. And then you have Allen Robinson. He's a great route runner, but he's not a burner. So to have someone that you can just have run a nice fade down the sideline and have a have really challenge those cornerbacks, stretch the field. We all know the Bears love their screens. So have, having the safeties maybe potentially back up because they're having to worry about that speed, that's going to be big. 
you know, you're factoring in the tight end game, trying to have some more stuff across the middle, you know, and not having the safeties down in the box, helping the run game, of course. Yeah, like he's a really that prototypical player that you want to be able to do that. And he's been successful. I mean, I believe it was two years ago with the Bucks. He was definitely on fantasy radars for one. And two, he had a little bit of a career resurgence there. He went to the Jets and, you know, Jets are going to Jets, just like the Lions are going to Lions. So, yeah. you know, I'm not going to use hold that against him. Um, and that's the thing. He's not a wide receiver one, two. He, he was being kind of forced to be that the last couple of years because of where he was drafted. He doesn't have to be that for Chicago. He can just be that wide receiver three, wide receiver four. Heck, wide receiver five. We'll see how it all shakes out. But at least the pressure being off and him not having to have all that weight on his shoulder should help him. And again, he's been productive. And if he's somehow the forgotten guy whenever the Bears are passing, he's a reliable target, unlike a Javon Wims, unlike a Riley Ridley, that you can go out there and actually throw the football to and have production uh, on the field. Uh, up next, I did want to talk about Ryan Pace's press conference on Wednesday uh, so we can share our top takeaways. Um, but after watching it, uh, reading through the transcript, it's really hard to find much of substance here, which, again, it's not a big surprise, but maybe this doesn't need to be as big as a segment as I was envisioning a couple of days uh, ago when I saw that media availability. Nick, is there anything that you want us to know about that take press conference to take away or our listeners? Uh, again, it was hard for me to find anything really to extrapolate from it. There was a lot said by Ryan Pace, but not actual useful information, I would say. So if you haven't seen it, don't go and bother and watching it. I think the biggest takeaways that I got from Ryan Pace and what he was saying, that not only him, but this Bears organization loves, and I mean loves Andy Dalton, loves where he's at, what he's doing at this point, uh, just where what he's done with the Bears through training camp preseason. They're, they're happy with where Andy Dalton's at. Some other key takeaways that I had just about like Tevin Jenkins, like they knew just like what Matt Nagy said about the, the injuries that he was suffering. Like these were new, that same thing when Matt Nagy told the media, but they feel like they fixed the problem again, nothing new in terms of information, but there's a lot of little stuff about, you know, he mentioned the nickel cornerback spot. He specifically mentioned Duke Shelley and also Marquis Christian, who the bears actually waved. So it was interesting that he mentioned that guy, but yet, um, and obviously Marquis Christian is back on the team. So he mentioned that. And then the only other thing that I think of substance, really, he said that Juan Castillo is one of the best developers in talent in the NFL. And that was when they were talking about Larry Borum also being there and obviously Jason Peters and that Larry Borum was graded close to Tevin Jenkins. And I thought, oh, okay, you moved up to go get Tevin Jenkins in the second round. You waited to go get, you know, Larry Borum. So you had him closely graded. That was just a little misleading or I don't know if that came came out correctly from Ryan Pace but <laughs> honestly that whole whatever 25 minutes I think he spoke there wasn't much there and if you're a fan it's like I don't know what you were expecting to get out of it that's Ryan Pace that's his last time you're going to see him until the end of the year past conference where usually it's a disappointing season for the Bears but that's it that's all that happened from Ryan Pace and there really wasn't much substance in that 25 minutes yeah, didn't think so. Mason, is there anything else that you wanted to at least bring to the table that Nick didn't mention before we move on here? Again, if our GM was giving us things that we can talk about, debate, discuss, I would love to do it. I just didn't feel like Ryan gave us much. No, the only thing of substance I really took away from it was the Tevin Jenkins conversation. Uh, leading up to that com press conference, they just mentioned new symptoms, new symptoms. He specifically finally mentioned nerve. 
which is something that if you're an avid listener here, you know, I was saying that from the beginning, like, I'm pretty sure, like, we know he's got back tightness. We know he's got back pain. What does that leave you? You got nervous symptoms probably down your leg. You know, and we talked about, you can go back and listen to that podcast. I don't need to bore you with it. But just the fact that they let that slip a little bit, I think does give us a little bit more of a timetable in terms of what he has to deal with and potentially when he's coming back. So that's good to know. I mean, because the Bears are so tight-lipped when it comes to that stuff. Yes, they usually are. Again, no surprises, although it's still disappointing nevertheless. All right, so up next, uh, we're going to take a look at the final roster, put it under the microscope with a deep dive discussion on the decisions that were made, as there are certainly some surprises along the way. But first, uh, I need to share a quick message from our friends over at Manscaped. Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a pew problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. Inside this package, you'll find that Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold, hold your whole solar system. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof, and it uses 9,000 RPM motor powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Say that twice fast. This nose and ear here trimmer provides propriety skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags and tugs in those delicate holes so get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code fanside 20 at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping with the code fanside 20 f-a-n-s-i-d-e-d-2-0 at manscaped.com for a clean trinity and beyond your space balls will thank you nick how'd i do Pretty well in your, in your space here. I was being generous because you're a little under the weather to kind of step up. Thumbs up? You did You did fantastic, Will. I, I mean, just, just a great delivery. So really good job there. Ah, I, I try. But let's get back to business. I'm ready to talk about the Chicago Bears roster. There's still maybe some changes between now and week one and perhaps, well, beyond. Uh, but let's take a look at what we have as of, well, today. And we all took our stab at the roster this week. I know, Nick, you couldn't make your post-game show, so you did write uh, who you thought would make the Bears' final 53 roster. And even though we all got a pretty good chunk right, which I would hope we would all get at least a good portion of these correct, uh, again, there were some guys that surprised all of us. So, Mason, I'll go to you first. Uh, Who was maybe the biggest surprise to you and why? Probably for me, the biggest surprise would have been, I would have to probably go with Daz Newsome. Uh, just because I, I know I said I had tweeted at one point, like I really almost did cut him from my final 53. But at the end of the day, like when you invest draft capital like that in a player and Thomas Dram Jr. can fall in this category, too, of course, especially how thin the cornerback position is. But, you know, when they ended with at that point in time, five wide receivers, you know, Daz was somebody that had shown like a touch of potential, not a ton, um, of course, which is why he was at actually cut at that point in time you know you're, you are worried about him getting scooped up you know maybe not by he wasn't gonna put a lot of tape out there because he didn't play a lot due to the broken collarbone but maybe a team that had done their research in the draft process and said hey look this is a guy that we want now of course actually making room for that kind of a player on your final 53 is is a bit of a big step but 
I, don't, I think we, you know, we just have, we have talked about that so much that for me, it was like, oh, wow, I, I can't believe he didn't make it, at least not that first wave. Yeah, Daz Newsom, definitely surprised. I had him on mine. Nick, I f- remember correctly, you had him on yours as well, right? Making the 53? I did, yeah. He was he was the last guy, though. He was number 53. Because I, 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 made, I made the wide receivers list, and I'm like, I'm missing somebody. And then Daz Newsom, so I ended up taking somebody else off and putting him on. Should have just forgot about him. <laughs> you could, you almost had that one. At least for me, when I'm looking at this roster, someone who surprised me didn't surprise either of you two, though, was Latavius Simmons. Uh, for me, I didn't think he proved to be ready uh, when I saw him throughout camp and the preseason. Uh, and also, when I was looking at the Bears' depth chart earlier today, uh, I noticed they still have him listed over Larry Borum, and that does not make, uh, again, a lick of sense uh, to me. Borum has looked much more solid and pro-ready than Lachavia Simmons at this point. Um, but when you have Jason Peters, you have Larry Borum, you have Elijah Wilkinson, as well as Jermaine Effetti, I thought Lachavia Simmons could have easily been sitting on the practice squad. You could have used that roster spot elsewhere. So for me, having Simmons on the final roster, I didn't think he was going to get poached. It was a little bit of a head-scratcher, uh, to say the least. So that's one player that's on the team that definitely, again, surprised me, uh, at least personally, on the panel. How about you, Nick? Is there one of those players for you? Well, and more so is like the status of one of the players, Danny Trevathan, going on the short-term IR. That was a little surprising because – He's somebody who played in the final preseason game, just 11 snaps, and the last time I went to practice was on August 24th. He was in practice competing there, and then to hear this news that he's going to be in the short-term IR, it kind of made sense why they had so many inside linebackers initially, the seven inside linebackers compared to only the four cornerbacks. But still, I think that was a little surprise that, one, the Bears had him play in the final preseason game, even though he had a what Matt – or what Ryan Pace said was a bothersome knee injury throughout camp. So that was a little surprising for me. I do have a segment later on where I want to get Mason's kind of take on Danny Trevathan's injury, uh, the Tariq Cohen update that we got. Uh, And then I know you already kind of shared a little Tevin Jenkins, but if you have any deeper insight, Mason, we'll get to that in a little bit because the Danny Trevathan one, Nick, is one that really is, uh, I came out of the left field, it felt like. I know he's been dealing with something. I have some thoughts. So let's save that for a specific segment coming up. What are your thoughts on a Caleb Johnson making it? Uh, obviously, he's a guy that was turning some heads, put a big smile on Mason's face as soon as I said it. He was playing very well, um, but with how heavy the Bears went at inside linebacker, that one, by first of all, was a big surprise. To go seven initially, down you're down to six. Um, but th- thoughts on Caleb Johnson? I don't think either of us thought he would make the team. Mason, I know you were close, though. He was my last cut. Like He was so close. Oh, I should have put him on there. For me, when you look at those last couple players, you know, numbers, whatever, 48 through 53, it's really all about special teams. I don't think it particularly matters if it's a fourth running back. In this case, it would have been, you know, if you had kept someone like an Arcavius Pierce um, or if it's a, in this case, seventh inside linebacker, their role really is right to do special teams work. Uh, it is nice, obviously, to have it bolstered elsewhere. You know, we we talked about the cornerback position being a little light with when they originally released it only having four. I believe now they're up to five. Uh, and you could have potentially used another one instead of the Caleb Johnson. But I thought personally that he proved a good amount. His name and number kept flashing in preseason games, whether it was called special teams, whether it was during the game. And I think he truly did deserve this this roster spot. Okay. I mean, I'm not saying he didn't deserve it. I'm just surprised that the Bears allowed it to happen based off, again, you saw guys like Thomas Graham Jr., Daz Newsome get cut. So to keep this undrafted kid, 
it's a good thing that they're able to self-evaluate and figure out who could be one of their better special teams players. Because again, when you're sitting there as a sixth inside linebacker on the roster, you're looking at primarily a special teams player at this juncture of uh, his career. Nick, I'm curious, are there any decisions that have you just leave like scratching your head that you're just confused why they did it, whether it's a specific player or just a position group in general? Is there any of those decisions that you thought the Bears made that you're still trying to work through in your own mind? Well, just initially waving Artie Burns and Marquis Christian in the first place and then having such a depleted cornerback position to start off. Obviously, they brought those guys back, and with them being veterans, they didn't have to go through like the waiver process. They just wanted to maybe get a jump start on bringing them back on one-year deals, which is what the Bears did. But you know, just not making the initial 53, even though I think we saw enough from just a training camp practices and even in the preseason games from them, that was a little confusing. And obviously the, the head scratcher, like Rodney Adams making it and then being waived the next day. And now he's on the practice squad, but yeah, those are ones where you look at those moves and, you know, bears Twitter was going nuts after Rodney Adams made it. <laughs> then they were equally going nuts when he was waived. And now they're like, yes, he's back. But those were like the three guys that I was thinking, huh, okay, that's an interesting move. It ended up that they all came back, but just a little bit of a head-scratcher there. A little bit, uh, to say the least. Uh, at least for me, when I'm looking at the roster here, I'm really surprised and a little confused at why they went with five tight ends. Uh, I understand that it's – I mean, you like J.P. Holtz. I'm a Jesper Horstead guy, although Nick – I, you weren't in the last show, so maybe you can change your tune a little bit more on the Jesper Horstead hype uh, that we at least saw uh, a week ago. But when you're constructing the roster, and Mason, you made a good point about special teams in general. Like Some of those guys are special teams players, and I know Horstead's been working on it. J.P. Holtz is a fine contributor. But still to keep five at this position, they're not going to all see the field on offense, and they could have probably helped out uh, a little bit more on the defensive side. You could have kept the Daz Newsom on the roster as well, who maybe could have been the punt returner. Again, I know they brought in Webster, so that may be null at this point. Um, but keeping five t- tight ends to me was a, a little confusing, although I'm not really complaining about it. Uh, how about you, Mason? Any mistakes or any confusing decisions that are on your radar? I think we talked about most of them. Um, I do. I would be curious the reasoning and timing behind the Adams move. Like perhaps where the Bears trying to let initial, you know, waiver pass and try to sneak him in, kind of after teams have settled down a little bit. If they had maybe let him go right away, or you know, not knowing where was that Bertrand Perriman was going to be around, was that really the reason? Um, just the timing of it is just very interesting. Uh, like you said, the Holtz being around. I think they really like him as in the special teams role and then being available if they need like a blocking fullback ish thing. No one else in the roster can really do that, but he also hasn't really been around. He's had a, I believe it was a chest injury uh, for the last couple weeks. So he must be on the up and up. And one thing I'm surprised you didn't talk about, Will, was what the heck is going on with Trey Roberson? Cause as far as we yeah. knew, it was just simply concussion, which, you know, obviously that's range. I mean, you could be back in three days. You can be back in, a year like we saw like last year. Um, but there's gotta be something else going on with the way that they handled all that. They're, they're it's a little funky. Right. Cause they pretty much shut him down in IR, right? Yeah. He's done for the year, uh, which is pretty presumptuous for a concussion. 
So he's stashed, in other words. Like, if you want to look at it that way, I mean, they didn't want to risk him going on waivers. Probably felt like there was a practice squad candidate elsewhere that could have been a little bit more valuable. And they're like, hey, Trey, do you want to just stay around a year and we can try again next offseason because you're this close? All right. All right, you get settled, you get your IR money, and we'll, we'll see you in January. Hang around the building. Because they like them a lot, and they want to keep them around. So maybe that was the path or avenue uh, to keep Trey Roberson around. Again, that's just pure speculation uh, and just, again, what it looks like from our perspective. So I'm not saying that is the case, but that's maybe what it looks like, uh, at least to me. All right, so we talked about some negatives. Let's look at some positives. What are some players that made this roster, whether you expected them to or not, that you're just excited to see now that they are on the team uh, officially. And, of course, Jesper Horstead is number one in my book and maybe a few other Bears fans as well. Uh, let's go to Nick. Uh, who's a player or a couple of players that you're most excited to see that were maybe on that bubble heading into camp? So I'm going to take this a little different approach, Will, because of mm. who the Bears cut with James Vodders in the outside linebacker position. And so that just gives more opportunities for a Travis Gift. And so that's how I kind of took the question with the final roster you're just going to see more opportunities for a guy like that. And I had James Vodders making it. So now that he's gone, I'm excited to see the growth of a Travis Gibson. But a guy that I am excited for, that was definitely on that that roster bubble there, is a Jesper Horstead. And every time I don't watch the guy, whether it's at practice or at the game, he go, he gets three touchdowns. It's guaranteed. So we'll just have to set a time where I'm not going to watch a game and Jesper Horstead's going to go off. So... I am excited to see how he can capitalize on this great opportunity that he has being somebody that's converted from wide receiver to tight end. How does he capitalize on this? So that's someone I'm definitely excited to watch. I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, we'll have to find like a dark room for you. Uh, I just pick <laughs> a game, just one. I'm not rude. You can watch You can watch 16 games. That's like a normal full season for you. But yeah. we do need a, a Jesper Horstead going off type of game. So look at the schedule. Let me know which one you want to sit in the dark room and do the post-game show after the fact. That'll be interesting. Uh, for me, Tonga, right? Like bring him on. Like the guy made the team. Uh, that I was thinking about like two nose tackles. Like how's this going to work? Eddie Goldman looked really good uh, in his playing time last week. And then it just it dawned on me uh, as I was cooking dinner. That goal line defense is going to be nasty. <laughs> like, no one's going to push and move that line of scrimmage against this Bears defense with Tonga and Goldman. If you have them both in the A-gap, they're not getting any interior push whatsoever. So that goal line defense with Tonga, it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, so he's someone that I know he's not going to see a lot of playing time, just a handful of snaps. But when he's out there, I really want to see how he can make the most uh, of this opportunity and really bolster uh, and beef up uh, this Bears defensive line. And he may be someone that goes away after Mario Edwards gets elevated. We'll see how that shakes out. But at the time being, I'm excited for some Tonga time. What about you, Mason? Well, first of all, we better see an offensive goal line look for Tonga. I don't care if he's blocking or if he's running the ball. I, I want to see Tonga get in the end zone. Bring it on, um, yes. <laughs> how great would that be? So my, I'm going to double dip just because these two players are kind of similar in why I'm excited about them. Are Marquis Christian, who wasn't on the team and now is on the team, and then someone that I you know predicted would get on the team, Xavier Crawford. I just really like the fact that they're really malleable, right? Like, are they truly safeties? Are they cornerbacks? Xavier Crawford, you know, he's kind of all around the field. He's been in the slot. He's been outside. He's been back at safety at times in practice. So I think he's just a guy that really gives you some options there, especially for that cornerback position, which is so in flux right now. You know, that last game gave me not a lot of confidence in Duke Shelley. I'm, he would have been someone if they had cut him. 
I would have been like, oh, that's a big move. But at the same time, I'm not surprised uh, just because he just didn't do that great. So I think for me, those two, that the fact that they can kind of move in and out, that big nickel specifically for Marky Christian, uh, is going to give Sean Desai potentially a lot of maneuverability. But again, we're saying this before the rosters are settled. One of those two could be the next one out the door. Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm really surprised you didn't go with Khalil Herbert there, Mason, now that we're in a regular season. I just, he, I knew he was going to make the team. I mean, like, come on, can, how do you see, like, Khalil Herbert and say that he didn't deserve to be on the 53? I'm excited about it, but that was set in stone <laughs> day one. Well, you could have pulled a Nick and took a different approach uh, to the question to do do whatever you want, which is fine. Uh, that's why you guys are here uh, and all that good jazz. How about you, Nick? Is there anyone else with this approach or any other random approach? Any player in general you're excited to see that's not Justin Fields eventually? I do have Marky Christian as well uh, in my notes there for people I'm excited about just because he's going to get looks at nickel cornerback position just because he's been repping there a lot. He was also mentioned by Ryan Pace. So just to double down on what Mason said, Marquis Christian's another guy that I'm looking forward to watching. All right, my last one real quick, another tight end. It's going to be Jesse James because, again, pre-camp. He wasn't on any of our radar. We had Jake Butt pre-camp, and then we upgraded <laughs> to Jesse James. So that third tight end, excited to see him carve out a role in this offense. And if he has that connection with Justin and we get Justin on a field some point this season and that can translate into the regular season, oh boy, uh, that's going to be a ton of fun to watch and how they can kind of utilize him uh, both in line, split out wide, however uh, they want to get creative to kind of get him some looks and touches. All right. So moving forward, actually real quick, I saw in the chat, I want to make sure I remember, uh, Donald uh, McKendry said he loves our shows, been watching it forever. First time they've been able to watch us live, which is tremendous. So welcome to the live show, Donald. Glad to have you here. And we talked about the Bears roster. Let's talk about guys who didn't make it, but are here on the practice squad. I'm personally glad to have guys like Mara, Snowden, Thomas Graham Jr., uh, Tease Tabor, Donovan Johnson, Kicker Brian Johnson, and Daz Newsom all back on the practice squad with some other additions that the bears made. I, I think it gives this group of guys, especially the drafted players like Graham jr. Daz Newsome, some time to continue their development. And then they can step into some bigger roles down the road. They really showed some good potential. We just all need to be a, a little bit more patient. And I think we are in a really good spot that we can be patient. We don't have to rush like a Daz Newsome who was kind of fringe, uh, a Thomas Graham Jr. who took that year off that's still knocking off some rust and getting back into that game flow and really just getting used to playing in the NFL. So we should be thankful we're in a spot where some of these draft picks can develop here in-house on our practice squad. And I know it's early, but guys, if you had to boil it down, what do you like and what do you not like about this Bears practice squad? If there is anything not to like uh, at this stage, Nick, I'll go to you first. Well, what I like about it is that there is some versatility that the Bears have in terms of the guys that they got, like a Dieter Eastland. That was a guy that actually had some first-team reps on at right guard at one point during training camp. Not the best having him there, but that's a guy that's really worked his way up to even make it back on the, on this Bears practice squad. So I'm glad to see him there. And, and we mentioned a guy like Rodney Ams actually being placed on there, someone who's really contributed throughout training camp and also the preseason game. So... That's definitely something that I do like. Um, if you're looking for, I guess, critiques, like I would like to have seen a Thomas Graham Jr. at least play these first two games, and maybe Mario Edwards, if he were to come back, he would take his spot. That's how I kind of predicted it to be in my final 53, just to see him get those reps, whatever it may be. Like maybe it's on just on special teams, obviously, but 
Um, for the most part, obviously you brought some guy like Ryan all we're used to seeing him on the practice squad, but even having like a, you know, a Caleb Johnson on there who's been, or not Caleb Johnson, sorry, Brian Johnson, the kicker, mm-hmm. someone that has been a standout really throughout these training camp practices. Um, it's nice to have just that waiting because there's going to be teams that possibly need a kicker at some point, or maybe you never know with COVID with Cairo Sant- who knows, but it's nice to have some insurance and it's just there right there on the practice squad. So many Johnsons, John Vay Johnson, Brian Johnson, Caleb Johnson. Interesting uh, to say the least. Uh, Mason over to you. Uh, what do you like? Anything you dislike about the practice squad? I really thought Brian Johnson would either have been traded or picked up on waivers because you have a team like the Lions, they cut both of their kickers, and he had a pretty good preseason. So, you know, if you're not going to sign a guy like that off of waivers, then who are you going to bring him? But like Nick said, having that COVID security is great. Um, The only critique I would have is that there's currently only one player that they brought onto the practice squad from another team. Uh, I'm just hoping that it's not a thought process of like, all right, we got to keep our guys in our bubble. Like we, you know, we know better than anyone else. These are the best players. You know, there are definitely potentially some players out there that could have replaced somebody else. You know, I know you invested up a draft pick in Arlington Ham, right? I just haven't seen a lot out of them. I don't know that you really need him there. They, there could have been a better lineman out there. I'm not a line scout. So, you know, I'm going to leave that obviously to the professionals. But the fact you were able to bring back guys like John Bay Johnson, Isaiah Coulter, I really like. Artavis Pierce has been here enough that, you know, it's good to have him there for practice for practice squad for scout team looks. Overall, there's not a lot you can complain about. Love the fact that you were able to keep a Sam Kamara. He was a guy that really flashed, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, having him there, I know a lot of people are freaking out about having Charles Snowden on the practice squad, but he did make it through waivers. So at this point in time, it's not like other teams were clamoring to get him. He's really developmental. He definitely needs time. We saw that in the preseason. He is not nowhere near a finished product. And you can protect a good amount of players every single time. So if you really want to, I would assume someone like a Charles Snowden, probably a Thomas Graham. You know, since you don't have Tyler Bray anymore, you don't have to protect Tyler Bray every <laughs> single week for some reason. I'm sure somehow he's in the Bears somewhere. I don't know where in the organization. He's got to be there somewhere. Um, but yeah, overall, practice spot solid. Nice. You Perfect segue into my next question for both of you. And who's going to be that one player each week that you would protect as it stands today? And Mason, you may have tipped your hand already a little bit, but that's okay. Who would the one player be above the rest? Ooh, I think it would, for me, I think it would be Charles Snowden. I just think he's got so much raw potential that, you know, some team is going to see that and take a chance on it. Okay, so we have a Snowden for Mason. Nick, who would you protect? I think it has to be Rodney Adams because we've seen what he can potentially do, um, especially in games. But I, I really like Dieter Eastland, you guys. It's someone that the Bears are going to need a rotating guys in the inside uh, lineman just, just in case if James Daniels were ever to go down again. He doesn't show that he could be particularly healthy. You have somebody that is there would he be the next man up probably not you have like an alex Barnes that's very versatile but i'm gonna go rodney adams but theater eastland's also up there okay that interesting i'm surprised it was an arlington hambright i'm kidding of course yeah. <laughs> those were really good ones snowden's an easy one heck maybe the kicker if the bears do catch win that there are teams out there that want to pick up brian johnson maybe they would feel like nope we need that in-house backup just in case something happens. I mean, it can easily happen where Santos, what happens if he's a close contact on like a Saturday? 
what's your plan? Like, you need to have a backup one. And I know, Mason, you've been really hammering that point home all preseason, and it makes so much sense. Again, another just asset to have around the building, especially given the current atmosphere that is, well, 2020, 2021. It hasn't really changed too much uh, in that span of time. But one big takeaway that has been sparking discussion from the final roster is that the Bears officially have made or have become the oldest team in the NFL. Now, signing Jason Peters, who I looked it up, he is the third oldest player in the league behind Andrew Whitworth and Tom Brady. That doesn't help. Chicago has already been teetering as one of the oldest teams, though, for the last couple of years, but that definitely pushed it over the line. So I'm curious, is this a problem, whether it be this year or next year? Certainly the Bears... Moving forward, they won't have all these aging veterans like Foles and Graham and Peters and Dalton and Quinn or any of the maybe 12 players currently 30 or older on this team. It's crazy how quickly this can change because I remember when the Bears were one of the younger teams not that long ago. You do want a good blend of veteran experience and youth, but is it heavily skewed in the wrong direction? Nick, I'll go to you first. It's an interesting question, Will, um, but the guys that you mentioned – that long list of old aging veterans that maybe will only be here for this season will be gone next year. So I wonder how that affects the age, the overall age that this Bears team is. But I think when you look at it, there are a good number of, you, like you said, you need a good number of veterans to just, I think, stabilize the team to go to that veteran leadership. And But I don't think it's necessarily the worst thing in the world to have some of those older guys on this team. And like you said, the, like the Jimmy Graham, Robert Quinn, I don't know if he's going to be here after next season. And then you have Jason Peters, who's ancient. He would be considered ancient right now. And Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. So I think after next year, that that age group is going to drop down a little bit. I think it's what Tampa Bay Buccaneers are also up there. Like Tom Brady raises that thing all the way up because of how old he is. But I'm not too concerned about how old this Bears overall team ages what about you mason we were exchanging text and i'm gonna phrase you when i pose this question as a potential talking point and he said oh the the fact that this roster needs a walker and a pension yeah let's talk about that so let's talk about it yeah it's it's not great i mean the the, the problem is if you're a team like the buccaneers right you got some an A's, like some older players that really lock it down because i think they were the third or fourth oldest when you looked at that average you're good, right? Because you're in this title window and you're and you're ready to go. The problem with the Bears is is they're not contender contenders, right? So you have this I don't want to say weight, but you have this little a bit of a weight on one end that's pulling you down a little bit. Yes, we're going to get out of it probably this next year. Some of those players it'd be very surprising if a Peters was still around, a Graham, Nick Foles hopefully is long gone by that point. Um, but at the same time, it you know, you do have a defense whose window is continuing to close. You know, we saw that with the cornerback position, right? It's not the same as it was in 2018. It's not as strong as it was. Some of your best players like an Akeem Hicks and a Khalil Mack are, again, another year older. So you're almost wasting a year saying, oh, well, there are these guys are going to be gone next year. Now you flip that. I mean, if you look at the youngest teams that are in the league, you have teams like the Jets, Lions, Browns, Panthers, Jaguars, Rams in that order. There's really not a lot of teams in that list. Maybe the Browns that I'd like want to trade with in theory. Ever like I don't want to be the Jets or the Lions or the Panthers right now. So like you said, you have to hit that middle ground. So it's 
we're it's a rock and a hard place due to unfortunately draft picks not working out or draft picks that you did that were good that have now gone elsewhere and so you've had to sign older players for too much money and so now you have the oldest team in the league yeah it's I think for 2021, I'm okay with it. But if this is a trend that continues, it's just not sustainable. You can't just keep bringing guys in on this side of 30. You have to start developing that youth, retaining these draft picks. Ryan Pace has said that since he's been the GM here. It just hasn't really worked the way I think he thought it would. And he's trying his best to kind of patch some things up. But also, you can see how quickly some of these patches can spring leaks. And at least when, Nick, when we started this podcast well, right before we started this podcast, so a couple years prior, the Bears were one of the oldest teams in the NFL again, but they were old and slow. At least Pace is bringing in speed, at least when we talked about wide receivers earlier. So now we're older, but fast. So maybe that will find a way to balance things out uh, just uh, a little bit. Uh, this gets us to the point where I wanted to get, Mason, some of your thoughts on some of these key injuries uh, that we've heard about throughout the week. Uh, Danny Trevathan and that short-term IR, what's your assessment uh, about what do you think happened best – your best guess, again, we're not getting a lot of info. My understanding is he was dealing with that knee throughout preseason, and they gave him that test run and the preseason finale, and he looked fine. I just have a hunch it didn't hold up after the fact the way that they thought they would hope it would hold up, and maybe he got dinged, maybe just didn't it, you know, started swelling after the fact. Again, a lot of speculation on my part. Um, but what do you think happened with Danny Trevathan? I think he hit the nail on the head. Uh, just that simply he had this lingering knee issue that – wasn't really getting better. You know, he has maybe some veteran days here and there. Uh, you know, obviously the Bears had to they switch practices. Like I was at that one on Wednesday. All of a sudden that one became a walkthrough. And all of a sudden the next day became the padded practice. But that was not just due to Dan Trevathan, of course. The team as a whole was pretty banged up. And they really did use that game as a, hey, Danny, what's it going to look like? I was, how can you operate, you know, in full speed? And he was making some really solid plays that game. But, you know, clearly afterwards just didn't react well like you said there must have been some degree of pain swelling and we know what a Danny Trevathan looks like that isn't at 100% and no offense to Danny I do not want that linebacker playing in the first couple weeks mm -hmm. he's you know we saw that against the Lions in that one of those early games he just couldn't be in coverage and that was something that I've harped on so far this preseason what does Danny look like in coverage he looks great in that game but if it's going to slow him down let him recover. He can come back in three weeks, right? He's only on the short-term IR, you know, get through, you know, a Rams game, get through the that Browns game, the Bengals game, and then come back full force, hopefully week four. Nick, real quick, your thoughts on Danny Trebathan. All preseason training camp, I've been very, I guess, cautious about how I approach this conversation. But now I think we're at a point where I can say if Alec, Alec Ogletree steps up and plays well next to Roquan for the first few weeks, the Bears, I guess, would have no reason to force or rush Danny Trevathan back. So is Alec Ogletree in a spot where he can earn a starting role now? If he plays like he did when he first got to the Bears, intercepting everybody and their grandmother, what, seven interceptions to start off, then absolutely. He definitely can, and the Bears feel comfortable putting him in that role. So you won't see Danny Trevathan until at least week four, and that'll be against the Detroit Lions. It might be a good game to actually get him back into the mix of things if you're thinking about it, but... Alec Ogletree is in a is a not a he's not like a Josh Woods or a Joel E. A. Buniwe. He's a guy that's been in this league for a while now, knows what his role should be, knows how to operate in this defense, even in the limited time he's been here. So he can easily earn himself that spot and keep it. 
afterwards. So it's not guaranteed that once Danny Trevathan is healthy, that you automatically put him back on the field. We have to see where he's at, how that knee's holding up, and really how is Alec Ogletree playing because he's shown you some flashes here and there. Yes, in the game against the Dolphins, he gave up a big reception to Mike Kosecki, but I think overall from what you've seen, it's been better than you would have expected for sure. All right, let's move over to Tariq Cohen. Uh, They didn't say specifically that he's had another kind of surgery on that knee, but they didn't deny the fact. Uh, I keep hearing all day, uh, Saquon Barkley is looking ready to go for week one for the Giants. I know he and Cohen had similar injuries just one week apart, so I'm sure a lot of Bears fans are feeling some angst and a little confusion uh, when it comes to Tariq Cohen's timetable and why it's so different. So, Mason, given, I'm not going to say the news, uh, that he got a second surgery because, again, not confirmed. But if it did happen, how does that change the timetable, in your opinion, and just your overall, uh, I guess, confidence in this rehab going the right direction? Yeah, that's tough because, like you said, they didn't specifically say that, that he did or didn't. But at the same time, if he didn't, wouldn't you just say, no, he's just still recovering from his original surgery? So, you know, speculation, but I, especially when you see how he's been moving over the last couple months, you know, you're, you'd be like, ah, I think he got another one. The hard part is what would that other one be? Was it simply a cleanup where they went in and shaved some stuff? Was it all of a sudden meniscus? Did the ACL itself need to get tightened down? Like there's so many different things it could have been. Uh, even from like, for example, from personal, like when I had my first ACL tear, I've had two, by the way. So that was fun. But my, for my first ACL tear, what happened was the ACL got lax after a couple months problem was it just wasn't set right the angle was off in the surgery and therefore it just wasn't at 100 percent. now to say what that timetable is going to look like it's hard to without knowing potentially what that second surgery is like or where he's exactly at in his rehab but what i can say for sure is that it's going to be it's going to be more extended than we think you know for a fact and no acl is built the same no rehab is built the same but when you look at how he's moving even that last wednesday i was there just seeing him jog off the field he is nowhere near coming back, nowhere near it. He, so I just wouldn't expect Tariq Cohen in the first half of the season. I'm starting to wonder if it's a next year kind of thing. Again, we'll see how it progresses. But at this stage of the game, if they already found their new punt return man, if you already have a decent running back core with Herbert, Williams, and Montgomery, why force it? Like at this stage of the game, it's already not – obviously things aren't going according to plan, so – May as well just put it on the back burner and figure that out uh, another year. As much as that sucks to say, because I know even Cohen's window in Chicago could be coming smaller by the year uh, as well. So we'll see how it all shakes out. And I know, Mason, you talked about Tevin Jenkins earlier. I just wanted to get uh, your thoughts. Are you feeling better about his news or his status than you were maybe like three, four weeks ago? I'm feeling better in terms of what he's going to be able to do in the short term, right? So in terms of like, Maybe the end of this year, I'm still thinking redshirt personally, uh, but, you know, maybe like the end of this year into next year, three, four years, based on what I believe the surgery is, he should come back pretty much full force. Now, what I am worried about is long-term longevity. I don't, there's a chance you didn't draft your tackle that's going to be here for like 10 years kind of a thing, Uh, just because when you have had problems as long as he's had, and it has progressed to something like this there's clearly some underlying factors that simply haven't been addressed. Now that could have been a fault of potentially his own, the training staff that he was at, something just 
how he was built. I mean, he's just a large, 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 large man <laughs> with all of that factored in, you know, that ultimately, if they don't take care of that, it's going to really impact his long-term future with the Bears. But at a bare, bare minimum, he should be back next year full force 100%. And I would not rule out a late season return if the Bears are in a position that makes sense. Like, for example, a late playoff push. All right. Thank you for that, Mason. Nick, I think this about does it for our roster discussion. Do you have any final thoughts on this Bears final roster before we move on to our prediction portion of this episode? Why is Josh, Josh Woods still on it? That's that's what I had most confused about. I know you put that in um, one of the subheads. I'm just, why is Josh Woods still here? And I get it, the whole Dane Trevathan thing, but I still don't see why. You don't even see the special team's value or fit at this stage? No, I really don't. Honest, I mean, you can get other guys that could fill that role and that can also have an opportunity to fill in at, at the position that they actually play. Like we all know, Josh Woods didn't play in that playoff game, uh, in you know against the Saints because the Bears weren't comfortable with it. You can't get somebody to make tackles on special teams that potentially could do that if they had to. So I just have why is Josh Woods here? Just writing my notes, but that's all I had to say. All right, they brought so... in Manti Teo instead of Josh Wo- Manti Teo. True, exactly. Excellent points. All right, so real quick, uh, make sure, I just want to make sure everyone knows that you can go ahead and pick up some of that Chicago Audible swag over at our official merch store. Uh, You can help support our show and spread the word along the way by repping some Chicago Audible gear like a t-shirt, tank, hat, mug, and more. Head on over to chicagoaudible.com slash store uh, to pick up your gear today and support our show. And I know, Mason, you got your new bucket hat in today. Looking pretty dope. Yeah, I'm feeling dope. Take it fishing. <laughs> you should. That's a great hat for fishing if I've ever seen one. But guys, let's look at the season ahead. I'm excited to get back again to this weekly grind. Uh, that is the NFL season for our seventh year of Bears coverage. So let's just have some fun and look at the season uh, that's going to start here in just a little over a week. And Nick, I want to go to you first. And we talked about this roster as a whole. What do you think is the deepest position on this team? It has to be the defensive line, Will. Just everything that the Bears have at that position. And you bring in Tonga, who's actually made the 53-man roster. You have guys that, whether it's the first line rotation or the second line rotation for that position, you feel comfortable with the guys that could potentially be out there with Akeem Hicks, a Bilal Nichols, or a Blackson, Mario Edwards when he comes back. I mean, you have guys that can play and that guys that are going to be productive. So I really like the defensive line position and all the players that the Bears have there. What about you, Mason? Do you agree it's the defensive line, or is there another position on this team that you would constitute as uh, deeper? No, I don't think he's a deeper one, honestly. I think Nick nailed it with that one. And for whatever reason, whether it's, Draft picks, free agent acquisitions, the Bears just churn out offensive linemen uh, or defensive linemen, excuse me, at a crazy pace. If there was another one that I would say like second in line and it's a decent gap between this first and second one, I would be happy with the safeties. And whenever I see Deion Bush and DeAndre Houston Carson come in, I'm happy. I'm, I'm okay with what they're doing, you know. But, you know, they've always stepped in and done relatively well. I mean, the biggest drop-off, if we go back to that 2018, uh, you know, when Jackson had hurt his ankle in that Packers game, we definitely saw, you know, a, little, a big gap between him and what Bush did uh, in that playoff game. But again, like I said, that's like a 
bar number two, it has to be the D-line. Okay, so defensive line I think is unanimous. If I wanted to look at one on offense, I think an argument could be made for running back with David Montgomery, Damian Williams, and Khalil Herbert. I think if you want to compare it to last year, a night and day difference in terms of the top to bottom, I guess the overall skill set and versatility that this group brings to the table. Uh, So maybe just that huge improvement is giving me a little extra bit of confidence, um, but definitely can't think of another offensive position that would be constituted as deep uh, at this stage. Although there's a lot of interesting positions like tight end looks real interesting, even though you're keeping all five wide receiver with the speed, just not proven deep or proven depth just yet. Mason over to you thinnest position on this team. I mean, you could pick a couple, but if I had to, I know sad, right? One, <laughs> if I had to pick one, uh, I'm going to go with, ugh, I'm going to go with cornerback. Uh, just because we still don't know who's at cornerback too. We aren't confident or even sure who's going to be nickel, which is a starting position. And heaven forbid Jalen Johnson, who's your cornerback one, gets hurt because he didn't finish last year healthy. And then, of course, there was injury concerns coming in due to that shoulder before that. Imagine what that starting is going to look like. I mean, Ari Burns is still coming off you know, his injury. Plus, he got cut. No one picked him up. So are you really... Sure, he's going to be a great starter. I mean, cornerback. Cornerback is uh, an easy one to look at. Heck, up to a couple days ago, we only had four uh, at the very first initial final roster. So by definition, I would find four corners razor thin, even if they're all quality guys. Uh, A lot of people in the chat complaining about our Wi-Fi, my Wi-Fi specifically. I'm sorry. It's working for us on our side. It's probably a YouTube thing. Again, I talked started at the top of the show. Lots of technical challenges today. A lot of just internet gremlins that are not liking the stream, but we're going to go with it. Uh, I use Xfinity, so if you use Xfinity, you know some days it's good. Some days it's not. Some days it says it's good, but it's not acting so so hot. So we're just doing the best we can uh, given the circumstances handed to us. So hang in there. Uh, if the stream's not working nice, I'm sure the replay will be a little bit of a higher quality. Uh, so patience is key here. Nick, how about you? What's going to be the thinnest position in your mind? Is it corner? Or are you going to go with another one that I can definitely see being on your radar? I did have corner here, but I also have outside linebacker. There's only four people on the roster that currently play that position. I know you have Cleo Mack, Robert Quinn, and Travis Gibson, who we're very confident in, and you have Jeremiah Tachu, but that's it. That's that's what the Bears are rolling with for the outside linebacker position, and if Robert Quinn isn't at any type of upgrade that he was last season, then you're essentially going with three guys, three guys that can go and roll in that rotation and you know give you quality play there. And, yes, one of them is one of the best defense players in the league, but – you would still, I don't, obviously the Bears made the decision to go with this as their 53 for now. But yeah, you only got four guys there. And I'll say this again. I know I've said it on previous podcasts. Jeremiah Atachu, we haven't seen a lot from him, whether it has been in the training camp or even really much in preseason. Not an indicator of what he's going to do for the regular season. But, you know, I just need to see a little bit more out of number 50 there to feel just a little bit more confident there. But, yeah, there's only four guys there, but I definitely had cornerback as well as one of the thinnest positions on the Bears. Offensive tackle, anyone? I'll put my money over there. I know Jason Peters helps, but by golly, after him, if Fetty looked rough, and I know he had some rust on him and he was serviceable-ish uh, a year ago at that position uh, towards the end, so I'd be okay with that. 
but behind him, you have Borum, which, again, a promising rookie, but one that we haven't seen in going up against ones if he has to get thrust in there on a Sunday. Uh, Elijah Wilkinson is another guy who struggled more than I thought he would. And then you have Lachavia, Lachavia Simmons. So I think that's a very scary week uh, position for a one that they threw a lot of resources at this offseason. Uh, the Tevin Jenkins injury really kind of put that one, stretched it out a bit, and uh, we'll see how it holds up. But right now I would call that one outside of corner uh, the thinnest position uh, on the team. All right, guys, so I want to do a new game, uh, actually a couple new games. The first one is called Better, Worse, or The Same. Uh, so I'm going to alternate and give you guys different positions and I want you to tell me, compared to the 2020 season, is this position officially better, worse, or about the same? Uh, and I kept out quarterback, and I kept out safety because there weren't a lot of changes. Justin Fields, okay, sorry. Justin Fields makes quarterback, we're all going to say, of course, it's better. Safety, nothing really changed. So I just kept those two out as outliers. So let's do running back, and let's go to Nick. Is that group better, worse, or the same? It's better, Well. All right. Mason, wide receiver. That's better. Nick, tight end. We'll go better as well. Mason, offensive tackle. Worse. Nick, often interior offensive line to center and guards. Uh, it's, it's better. You get James Daniels back. Okay. Uh, Mason, we'll go over to you, inside linebacker. Same. I don't. It uh, oh. I means the same starters, and then the depth is more or less the same. All right. Nick, outside linebacker. I was just talking about this position. I'll say it's better because I think you're just going to see a little bit more out of Robert Quinn, but slightly better. Okay. And Mason, cornerback. And I know the departure <laughs> of Kyle Fuller <laughs> doesn't really make that. That's another easy one. Oh, man. Yeah, worse. That's so much worse. <laughs> All right, so that was a fun little rapid-fire segment there uh, to kind of get our gears turning. So let's do another one. Uh, This one's called Feast or Famine. And so for Feast or Famine, I'm going to give you a player, and you're going to tell me, is that player in for a feast of a year or a famine of a season? And I have some big names, I have some smaller names, and everyone in between, uh, but we'll keep this one rapid-fire as well. Nick, Allen Robinson. you got to go with Feast, even if... It's Andy Dalton for a long majority of the season. He's going to feast this season. All right. Mason, David Montgomery. Feast. Nick, Jermaine Effetti. <laughs> we'll go Famine just because <laughs> uh, J- Jermaine Effetti has a lot of work to do, but I'll go Famine. We're going to go Famine over there for Mr. Effetti. Mason, Colcomet. Feast. Uh, Titans normally take a big jump for the next year, and I mean Nagy's clearly raving about him already, so I think he's going to feed him, literally. Okay, S- sticking with tight end, Nick, Jimmy Graham. We'll go. We'll go famine. It's, uh, comparing him to the last season, so we'll go famine there. We're going to go famine for Jimmy Graham. Uh, going over to the defense, Nick. I'll go right back to you, Travis Gibson. Hmm. We'll go feast. Um, that's because of the continuity that's there. That hasn't been there with Eddie Jackson. I think he'll have a better season. So feast. Mason, have fun. Robert Quinn. Famine. I just I think he's going to be on a pitch count. 
I don't think he's going to be out there all that much. Travis Gibson is going to take reps. Still. <laughs> all right, Nick, I'll go over to you, Roquan Smith. I have to go feast. I, that guy has a chip on his shoulder for a lot of different reasons, so we'll go feast. Mason, Alec Ogletree. Feast. I think Trevathan might lose his spot with the way he plays the first couple weeks. Nick, Ballon Nichols. Oh, we're going feast there, too. He's playing his regular three technique. I think we're going to see a big season out of Bilal. Mason, let's go on the other side. Akeem Hicks. Feast. He's playing for a new contract. All right. And let's go over to the secondary. Back to Nick. Dalen Johnson. We'll go feast there. I think he's going to turn those PBUs interceptions. Mason, Kendall Vildor. Oh, man. He's going to be, the first half of the season is going to be famine, and then I think he's going to turn around the second half for a feast. So he's going to be right, and then he's going to end up in the middle after that. Okay. Nick, your man, your boy, Duke Shelley. Hmm. This is. I think it's the same exact how Mason described Kendall Vildor, but then you're going to add Marquis Christian into the equation. So I'll put him more on the famine side. All right. And let's go back to Nick. Cairo Santos. He's going to feast. He's going to feast. I, I think he's just going to continue what he did from last season. Maybe not as many opportunities, though. And Mason, I have one more on my list, and I've been saving him for the end. Andy Dalton. Famine. I just, he's in such a bad situation. The Rams have such a good defense. They're going to hear it from the media, the fans. Like, he's going to, if he, imagine if he throws two picks in that first game, the first half or something of that first game. You, oh, oh, it's going to be so bad. Famine. Famine for him. All right. So that was Feast for Famine. That was fun. We may have to do like a mini version each week. Uh, That may be something fun to kind of add to our game uh, preview. So, Throughout Countdown to Camp, again, that miniseries we did throughout the summer when we looked at every position and broke it all down, every single player, we always did a confidence meter. And I know we do one heading into each game, so I thought, why not do one just heading into the season in, in general? Like, So where's our confidence now heading into the year? So Mason, I want to go over to you. What's going to be your 2021 season confidence meter heading into week one? 6.7. And... I say that partially because of what my expectations are. My expectations are just to get through this beginning period of the season because we got to just wait for Justin Fields as a part of it. You have cornerback, which is very suspect. I mean, you're playing a team like the Rams early on. The Browns have a solid passing game. They're just going to be eating up our cornerbacks, I believe, at this point in time. Um, the old line is questionable. I and mean, obviously, like the whole year, we're playing some pretty solid defenses. Uh, and there's just a lot of question marks and some very important positions. And you can't have that and be confident in the team. But I, they get a little bump just because I do think as a whole, the offense will be better than it was last year. Okay, so 6.7 for Mason. Nick, how about you? What's your, what's your confidence meter heading into the year? Go with a five because I really don't know what to expect from this Bears team. Like, Mason, I agree. This offense should be better, even if that's Andy Dalton, who's an upgrade over Trubisky and Foles. Uh, So I think the offense has the capabilities of being better. That defense has more capabilities of getting after the quarterback, but that secondary is such a question mark, especially at two very key positions. 
with nickel corner and obviously outside corner. So, and going back to the offensive line, it's like, how are those tackles going to handle to just hold up throughout the season? Who's actually going to be playing consistently at those positions throughout the season? So there's a lot of just question marks that I know we wanted to have answered throughout training camp in the preseason, but I still have those questions. And now they're heading into week one of the season. So I'm at a five right now, Will. A five feels right. A 6.7 feels a little optimistic, but that's okay. That's what we're here for. I'm sitting at about a six, so right around the middle of you two for the very much the same reasons. There's a lot to feel optimistic about this team. I mean, we just did Feast for Famine, and I'm fairly certain a lot of those were feasts and not a lot of famine. So we're expecting some good things. But there's just those question marks that we don't really know the answers to right now that kind of hold you back from thinking this is a pure win now type of season. Whether it's how they're handling the Justin Fields situation, uh, not being super transparent with why they're making this decision other than just being adamant uh, that Andy Dalton's the guy and Justin apparently isn't ready and he won't be and we'll figure that out. So will they stick to their guns a little too long, lose a few extra games? And if that's the case, how would that just kind of dictate the rest and remainder of the season. Uh, so that's really one big question mark I have on top of, will the secondary figure itself out? Will the offensive line figure itself out? Because those, without either of those two, we're in for a long year. Even if every other position balls out, if we can't protect, we can't get any generation on the ground in terms of push to really get these running backs moving. And if we can't stop anyone, even if we have this pass rush and a decent run defense, we're in trouble. Uh, so those big question marks really weigh heavily right now, and hopefully Sean Desai can figure out his end, and Juan Castillo, Bill Lazor, and Matt Nagy can figure out the other side of the equation uh, as well. But yeah, six as of right now is kind of where I sit. So, gentlemen, we did our confidence meter, and now it's time to give away some season bold predictions. Excited to see where you guys wanted to take these. So, Mason, I go to you first. What's going to be your bold prediction for the 2021 season? All right, my bold prediction. Justin Fields will win Offensive Rookie of the Year and break the Bears' record for passing touchdowns, held currently by McMahon and Orton at 9, for yards currently held by Mitch for 2,193, and overall touchdowns, which is held currently at 22 by Sayers. For some context, Kyler Murray had 20 passing touchdowns and four rushing touchdowns, so I think he can pass that. And then if you look at Justin Herbert, who also didn't start the whole year, uh, he obviously only went in when uh, Tyrod Taylor ended up having that crazy uh, pneumothorax, the punctured lung. He had 31 passing touchdowns and five rushing touchdowns. Now, the teams are not necessarily exactly the same, but honestly, the Bears bar is pretty low in terms of quarterback output. So that's part of the reason that that you can, uh, I think you can say that. All right, Justin Fields putting himself into Bears history books for a stellar rookie season under center. I like that a lot, Mason. Nick, how about you? What's going to be your bold prediction for the year? Yeah, so like I mentioned earlier, I think this offense will be better. I think for the first time since 2013, the Bears will have two 1,000-yard receivers. Last time it was Marshall and Jeffrey. I think Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson definitely have the capabilities to do that, even if it's with, you know, obviously Andy Dalton for a period of season, but when Justin Fields eventually comes in, I think those two guys are really capable of getting a thousand yards this season. All right. Mine, I have two. I just like, I want to do one for each side of the ball. So if you guys think about one for defense, feel free and you can jump in with another one. 
I have the Bears getting 30 takeaways on defense and 45 sacks this season, uh, both of which would be the most since 2018. They went at top 2018 numbers. Uh, the Bears had 36 takeaways in 2018, uh, and I think they had like 50-ish sacks that season as well. But the Bears have not been top 10 in sacks since that 2018 year. Uh, they finished third that season. So getting back into the top 10 uh, in terms of sack totals and getting back into the top 10-ish as well for takeaways. So those would be some great marks for the Bears' defense. Uh, and then on offense, my bold prediction is a Bears record, so very along the lines of Mason from a quarterback, so very much like Mason. Um, I'm going to do 35 total team passing touchdowns, uh, which would be the highest ever for the Bears in a single season. Uh, the previous was 32 in Mark Tressman's first year of 2013. Uh, so, th- again, Mason, he hit a low bar uh, for the Bears and their quarterback play. 35 touchdowns would do it. Uh, so that's going to be my two bold predictions. Uh, does either of you have one for defense that you wanted to kind of chime in with now? Yeah, I got one real quick, just individual. Roquan Smith will lead the league in tackles. It was Zach Cunningham with 164 last year on Houston. I think Roquan Smith, like I mentioned earlier, that chip on that shoulder, he's going. obviously he's playing for an, another contract, and he kind of represents himself. He doesn't have an agent, but he's going to ball out this season and also be on the top 100, which he was somehow left off that list. But he'll do that by reflecting in his play and leading the league in tackles. See, it's one thing to leave him off the list. I read an article on ESPN forecasting their top 100 players after the season, and Roquan was even on that list. Khalil Mack and A-Rob are the only two Bears. That makes no sense to expect Roquan Smith is not going to be one of the 100 best players after the 2021 season. That really baffled me as much as being snubbed, which I knew he would be, but forecasting out from a writer perspective, you thought someone would have given Roquan some props there, but I think A-Rob was like 60-something, and Khalil Mack was the highest bear at 40th. Uh, so not a lot of love there for the Bears from ESPN, which, not a surprise. Uh, Mason, anything from the defense, or are we moving on? I'll throw one out there. Uh, I don't know how bold this is, but I will say that Travis Gibson will be second in the team in sacks. Ooh, no, I like that. That's bold. I mean, for a guy that didn't see a lot of reps last season, I know he's been progressing well, but that's still a very bold prediction at that. So I will definitely take that. Uh, Let's move on to MVB. Each and every game, we hand out our most valuable bear. At the end of the season, we hand out our MVB of the year. So before week one even officially gets here, who's going to be our prediction? Uh, What's going to be our prediction for MVB of 2021? And let's go to Nick first. Who do you think will be our MVB? I think it's going to be Allen Robinson. This could be the last season that we actually see him in a Bears uniform. And he's been putting up great numbers with just a bunch of question marks and a bunch of quarterbacks that obviously are not very good. So now I think we'll see better quarterback play from Andy Dalton and Justin Fields in 2021. It's going to really help that you have number 12 that you can throw to. So I think it's going to be Allen Robinson for this season. I like that one a lot. How about you, Mason? Who's going to be the MVP when it's all said and done? I think it's going to be Roquan Smith. The Bears this year are still going to have to really depend on that defense. He's going to have to put a lot on his shoulders, ranging all over the field. Uh, obviously, Dan Trevathan is going to be out for a little bit. You know, Alec Oltree did solid in camp, but we don't know how it's going to fully translate. We know there's some questionable stuff going on in the back end of the defense. So, you know, I really do think that there's going to be a ton on his plate. You know, there's even when Justin Fields does come on the field, there's going to be some growing pains for a rookie. 
you know, the defense is going to be put in some questionable positions and are they able to keep teams out of the end zone, maybe on shorter fields. So, you know, Roquan's really going to have to ball out this year. All right. So you guys took two of my, of three on my short list. So you leave me no other choice to, than to say it's going to be Justin Fields. He's going to be MVB. Even if he sits half the year, the spark that he's going to provide, how he's going to elevate this offense and this entire team, I think is going to be hard to not notice. And it's that kind of value, not just the passing yards, the rushing figures and all the touchdowns that this kid's going to score, but it's how he can change the attitude and demeanor of this football team and really just raise their ceiling up once he's on the field. To me, is everything that we've ever been asking for uh, as Bears fans really our entire lifetime. So, it may, again, I don't know if he's going to start or play in 16 games, eight games, four games. We'll find out how it all plays out. But I think regardless what he's going to do in terms of just bringing this team together, elevating their play, it's going to just be the most valuable thing we've seen all season, no matter what. So he's going to be my MVB uh, at the end of the year. At least that's how I'm predicting it as of right now. All right, so we did bold predictions, MVB, and people have been asking all year since the schedule came out, what's going to be the final record for the Bears, guys? What's your record prediction? We hear it all season, every episode uh, throughout the summer, and we always say, wait, let's get to the, let's get through camp, let's get through the preseason, let's find out who's on this team so we can make a good educated guess. So we've had plenty of time to sit on this. Mason, I go to you first. What's going to be your official record prediction heading into the season? I'm not going to lie. The Bears have let some air out of my sails. Uh, definitely had a higher prediction when we did this the last time, but I now I'm sitting at 8-9. and 8-9. and nine. So we're losing season uh, in Mason's eyes, which, close, borderline. I uh, get a lot of factors going to it, I know. Nick, how about you? Are you in a similar boat? Where are you at? I'm the exact same boat as Mason, so eight and nine as well. And actually, well, I, I kind of want to do an exercise real quick. Can we do this? I'll just re- just say the week and who they're playing, and then we'll do it fast paced and see if we still come out to that eight and nine. Because I know I had that just right off the bat, just seeing just first glance at the schedule. But Mason, if I were to read them off real quick, just give me a win loss. I have a pen and paper right here. I want to still see if it comes out to eight eight and nine. Uh, at Los Angeles. Win this or is lose. you, Mason. Oh, this is me. Oh, sorry, Rams. Or was I lost? Okay. Yeah, I lost. Uh, uh, the Bengals at home. Uh, win. Okay, at Cleveland. Loss. At uh, Detroit at home. Win. Then you're at the Raiders. Win. Okay, we, we have a 3-2 record right now. All right. Uh, Green Bay at home. Loss. All right, we're back to 500. At <laughs> Tampa Bay. Loss. Okay, here we go. Uh, San Francisco at home. Loss. Oh, this is Does Justin Fields step in now? <laughs> well, see, that's that's where it all get, goes crazy. Uh, at Pittsburgh. I was on the fence on this one, but I went with loss. All right, and then you have a bye week. You host Baltimore. Loss. Oh, boy. Um, at Detroit. Win. Okay. Arizona at home. Win. Sweet. Uh, at Green Bay. Win. Uh, Minnesota at home. Win. Okay, okay. At Seattle. Loss. 
New York Giants at home. Win. And at Minnesota. Loss. So we have... Ah, oh, damn, it's 8-9. and nine. <laughs> There we go. Okay, so your exact thing. Just wanted to test it out, like, right on the spot, but, yeah, that's that's how I had it going. Oh, there, that's the thing. Like, I really tried to think when will Justin come in, some rookie growing pain, and, like, how that's going to work. But there's just some of the teams, even with him, I mean, there's that stretch. Like, the Packers, Bucks, 49ers, regardless of what quarterback they have, Steelers, Ravens, like, that's rough. I mean, I love what Justin's going to bring, but like, even just like I look at the Steelers, like they have some solid wide receivers. Like, we don't think we have the cornerbacks for that. Exactly, and I like how in the chat too, people are going WWLLL as I was reading them off. Um, <laughs> um, Will, what do you got? Who, who do you got? With, what's your? I record? thought you would never ask. I thought you would never <laughs> ask. So we're at two, oh. eight, and nine. I want to be myself if I didn't at least predict a winning season. I'm going to go 10 and 7. Uh, I think this team will figure out a couple of answers and win more games than they'll lose. We've always been close. I remember when Nick, I did the math exercise, and we, every game we lost last year is by less than a touchdown. I still feel like this Bears offense is capable of at least another touchdown a game. Unfortunately, the defense may be giving up more points this season. So it's really a big balancing act here. However, as I talked about for my MVB prediction, if we can get Justin out there sooner rather than later, or if Andy Dalton does win more games than I'm anticipating, both are okay. And although I would rather prefer one over the other, then I think this Bears season could be really interesting. Uh, even if it's another early playoff exit, at least they should be in contention. I don't think they're worse really than last year. We went through all the positions and for most of them, we said we were better. Uh, so I feel like they can win games. It's just right now, I think we're heavily concerned about a couple big red flags, which is okay. Um, but let's see how it all shakes out. So I think the Bears can pull it out. Justin Fields getting out there at least at the halfway point by week. And if that's the case, 10-7 I think is more than doable. Still weird adding it up to 17, though, I'll tell you. Yeah, it took me forever to finally recognize that that was a thing, but I'm glad that I, <laughs> I have that in my head now. Um, yeah, 10-7, and seven, I think I had it one way where it was 9-8, and eight, but... Yeah, there's just a lot of key factors and question marks that need to be answered. And if those things happen with the offensive line and, you know, just the quarterback position, then maybe this season can go in an upward trajectory. So here's the thing, too. I had them originally at 10 and 7. And then as we were talking, I changed my my mind (laughs) on the fly because I had them at wins at the Steelers and then sweeping the Vikings. That would have given another win. And then it's just as we talked about it, it was just like, what, like Will said, though, it's not how different is this team than last year. And last year, they were essentially a five, you know, they were like right around that 500 mark, depending on how the football bounces. And it, they're also playing a playoff schedule, right? They're playing a much harder schedule this year than they did last year. So it's like, like it's so easy to flip one or two of those games. We really have to see how that's going to go, how the roster shakes out. Development, growth, maybe Kendall Vildor all of a sudden becomes CB2 of the future. Yeah, it's one of, he showed spurts last year. I think we're all disappointed in his preseason play a bit. Same with Duke Shelley. Well, you just got to see how it all pans out. But it's a long year. And like you said, Mason, a lot of these games are coin tosses. But by the time we get to those weeks specifically, I'm sure we'll all have a pretty good understanding of how we expect those games to go. There's just so much unknown for not just the Bears, but you know most of these opponents uh, right now, how it's all going to fare out. So I'm going to remain 
cautiously optimistic uh, that the Bears can have a, a decent winning season and turn the keys to the car over to the future sooner rather than later. And if we go through all those L's, oh, you drafting? I'm about, yeah, I got pick number three, y'all, just so y'all know. Nice. Good luck uh, on that one. That's the, <laughs> the Bears podcast kind of league that you're repping us in. Yeah, I'm debating if Field falls to me at three if I just say screw it and take him just for the just for the lulls. Is this like a dynasty league that we can do every year? Uh, that's a good question. We we should look into that. As of right now, it's just for the season. Okay, because if that's the case, you pick him up and you just wait it out. I, yeah, I would definitely that would do that. Great, actually, Nick, any final thoughts as we end up this show? Some Mason good draft. No, Mason. Uh, just do better than I usually do in those in those leagues because I am. I'm terrible, and I'm terrible in my <laughs> other leagues as well. So I do have Justin Fields, though, in the one draft that I did do this past weekend. All right. I mean, that's a win. Uh, I had one auto-draft league uh, for my family that kind of went without me knowing, so I didn't get to set my roster <laughs> order. I was like, when's the draft? I'll let you know. Oh, yeah, we drafted. Great, thanks. So got to love those, um, but we'll Solid. we'll figure it out. I already have, like, seven waiver wiver uh waiver wired kind of claims put into place i'll wake up tomorrow morning and see if i can get right the ship a little bit but i was not pleased uh, with how that draft ended up but i'm excited for our fantasy drafts on sunday evening with all of our listeners that's gonna be a lot of fun and uh, i've already been doing some strategy too uh, that i won't tell mason about uh by the time we get to that but i'm gonna call that an episode and want to say uh thank you so much to all the bears fans for listening to the show uh if you enjoyed it uh, and if you haven't yet uh, please take a second to review over on apple podcast helps us reach more bears fans like you like us and also does help greatly with potential sponsorship talks and if you're watching this video and you haven't subscribed to the youtube channel yet what are you waiting for uh subscribe and i think as people say in the chat smash that like button up next we'll be looking at the la rams and prepare for that season opener on Sunday night as our content next week all throughout the week our goal you know it's going to make you the most informed Bears fan on game day but until then have a great Labor Day weekend and of course bear down Chicago bear down.